Hey, everybody, we are back. Welcome to season two, episode two of More Than a Title. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas, and I'm excited to have a great, great episode for you guys, man. So this is episode two of No Brand Affiliation. So as you guys know, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to keep it really raw. We're going to vibe out. Shout out to my boy Fred for setting this up. Shout out to my brother. And I want to introduce this guest, man. There's a special, special guest, man. This brother has over 20 years of branding experience, right? And he's also the CEO of Branding Shop Second Melody. So I want to introduce a good friend of ours, good friend of the show, Mike Graham, man. How are you, bro? Hey, Jared. How's it going? I'm doing good, man. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's an honor to have you on the show, man. Thank you for taking time out your, your schedule, man, to, to kick it with us and share some game, man. Now, listen, the honor's all mine. I appreciate you reaching out. Now, of course, of course, man. So as you guys know, for any first time listeners, you know, the name of the show is more than a title. And our whole premise of the show is to not be your typical marketing show. So you guys know it's the regular, hey, we're going to do this and tips, tricks and tactics and all that stuff. I really want to know the person behind the title. I want to know the real stories. I want to know what you've overcome. You know, what what gets you going? So um, if you want to, Mike, let's start at the top, man. You, you've got a, a plethora of experience in the space, man. So how, how did it start off for you? Why did you ch- choose branding? versus any other principle of marketing? I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah, no, um, that's a great question. So um, Second Melody has been around, it'll be 17 years uh, this year. Congrats. Um, Thank you, since 2005. And when we we started, we were really focused on um, doing a uh, kind of a split design and marketing, right, 50-50. And you know what's crazy about that is in 2005, analytics weren't really a thing as much as they are now, right? Like nobody was doing analytics-based design or any of that stuff. So, you know, me and my infinite wisdom at the age of 24 and, and a partner that I had when we were starting were like, oh, we're, we're doing this, right? Nobody's doing this. We're going to do this. Meanwhile, like, you know, it's there was probably a million people doing it, but, you know. Um, and then and then really what happened is the business progressed. And, and as we started to get bigger clients, we started to realize what we were really good at, you know, and and as the clients got bigger and the budgets got bigger, then you kind of started second guess a little bit like we were offering great services. But like there were some we were offering a lot more value than others. Right. So yeah. like we were doing market research for years and then we realized like started working with these big brands and they're like, there's no way they're going to be paying us for market research like they have. Firms they pay millions of dollars to for market research. So that's probably so this kind of just, you know, kept evolving and kept evolving. And then um, probably about I'd say probably about seven years ago or so, maybe five to seven years ago was the real core where we went from being really a design agency, design focused agency to branding specifically. And the reason being for that was we were already doing the branding. It was more about like we need to firm this up as our deliverable. And this is what we're good at. And this is what um Clients are really paying for, it. so that's that's kind of how it started. So not as not as sexy as you might think, but you no, kind of no. into it eventually, you know. No, it is, bro. First of all, because what I caught off that is you were being able to pivot, right? Knowing Absolutely. knowing your business, knowing your clients, and knowing your customer base, and knowing your skill sets to say, hey, man, this is what I need to do in order to create more revenue and create a better experience for that customer. And before we get into to that, because I think that's an excellent topic I want to dive in more to. But first off, let's get into how did you start the business? Because I think I told you off camera, like I, I'm at a point right now where I'm dabbling and I want to start my own. I'm just tired of playing the game, man. To be honest yeah. with you, I feel like I want to create something sustainable for my family. So what, what was that first step like? look like? What did it look like? And how did you get over those jitters? Because it's so hard to get to jump off the porch, so to speak. So what were the processes look like? And, you know, what were some of the things that you overcame to start it? So I'm going to apologize ahead of time because this story is going to probably be counterintuitive to you. 
helping to support your family. But um, <laughs> the, the benefit I had, which I say all the time to people, is in 2005, I was 24 and I had a car payment and a rent payment. And I had had one job before and I thought I knew better than everybody else in the world, which I was absolutely, absolutely wrong about. Um, but I think I think that was really the reason not the reason I started the business, the reason why it was easy to start the business. Um, yeah. I had a partner for a little while in the beginning and I, he literally showed up to lunch one day. I, it's a guy I knew I had known from college. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he showed up to lunch one day with a business plan and was like, Hey, what do you think about this? And you know, I didn't care. Oh, Hey, you know what? I'm thinking about quitting my job anyway. I know better than my boss and why not, you know, yeah, you have nothing better to do, you know? Um, and, and honestly, you know, dating back around that time, like, I don't think I ever set out and said, Oh, Hey, I want to own my own agency. I want to create my own business. I just, at the time was looking for a change and I didn't have that much on the line. to take the risk. Right. That's it. Okay. So, so that's, that's the first thing, but I will tell you that more, more akin to your, to your situation that you were talking about before is that you eventually get to a point when priorities change. Right. So I get married. I have two wonderful children now, you know, and there were so many points during that process where, you know, my wife looked at me and those, those tough nights where she's looking like, cool, how long are you going to keep this up? You know, how long you want to, you want to keep pushing. And I think in the end of the day, what it was is that um, the reason I kept doing it is probably more important to this story than the reason I started. And the reason I kept doing it was because I think the, um, you know, the personal journey that I wanted to take was more important than the money. First and foremost, you know, I think that I I started realizing that I kept doing it because the experience I was getting, figuring out how to do things, you know, even to this day was better than someone teaching me. And that's not for everybody. I'm not, you know, because I'm not downplaying like education or experience at an agency or anything like that. But what I am saying is that I realized that I learned better by failing or trying to do something. And and that was working for me. So I kind of got to the point where. I enjoyed solving the problems no matter how big they were. And that's kind of why I kept going, you know? I, I love that story, brother. I, and I love the, the fact that you was authentic and real. And my wife's looking at me like, man, what are you going to do? <laughs> that, that's real, man. That, that's real. That's real problems that we deal with, man, especially when you're going after your dream, man. And at that point, this is your baby. You know, you have countless hours into it. You, you've devoted your energy. You've made sacrifices for it. And then you're looking back at it like, you want me to quit? I can't. I can't. You got to see the vision, baby. You got to do this. <laughs> No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, I think there, there were several points I can identify along the way where if it wasn't for obviously like people like my wife and yeah. um, a strong network of other business owners. I mean, I'm I'm friends with th- these guys and, and women up to this day where we literally started our businesses within years of each other. Right. And not all of them are still around. Some of them are still around. Some of them are doing other things or whatever. But but it's literally like I remember sitting around the table drinking beers going like, well, here's my problem. What's your problem? You know, and like I'm thinking about giving this up because I can't take this anymore. And people are like, well, here's how I solve that problem. And, you know, whatever you, you kind of roll with it. But but luckily you get to a point where those problems aren't the problems you're dealing with. There's other problems. Right. Yeah. There's always going to be problems. But, but those aren't the problems you're dealing with anymore. So, yeah, I love that, man. I love that. And I also love the point that you made. Like you made a great point that it's not for everybody. Right. Like. It is a lot of value in being in the corporate space. It all depends on what you want. Like I, like I told you off camera, and I'll tell the audience, right? For me personally, I'm at a point where I'm just tired of playing the game, right? Where I love the experience that comes with it. But for me, I'm like, what, what does it take to get a seat at the table? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm at a place where I've been a VP. I was a VP at 26 years old at an agency, a multi-million dollar agency. Did you mm-hmm. know how many opportunities I've gotten after that to be a VP or C-level? 
Yep. Zero. I went from VP all the way down to AE. Wow. SDR. Yep. Worked my way back up. And they only give me strategic AE roles. And then I'm talking to 20 something year olds that are like, man, you know, and, and I'm talking to people like yourself, man, who are who are top class at what they do. And I'm understanding. I'm getting learnings every single day, every time I turn on the live, man. And yeah. I apply that to my day-to-day business. It helps me identify crit- mission critical business problems for leaders. And that's what makes me a successful salesperson. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. very hard. And it's also that jumping off the porch. I know my wife is going to look at me, my, my future wife, my, my baby watching. Love you, baby. But, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I think about that, right? Like, of course, I can go to corporate and get a nice you know, cushion salary, sit there. Yeah. But the thing is, they put you in a box. And that's why I created the More Than a Title show. Yeah. I'm more than a job description, right? So if I'm sitting here, if I can break down your website, look at your traffic, I'm GA certified. I can see what the customer journey looks like. I can see what the content is actually driving re- actual results. And then can come up with the strategy and also in the creative aspect of it and then go out there and hit the phones. Yeah. Well, you don't. And the thing is, too, and I can imagine and I know from other people, you know, talking to me about their journey and, and looking for either a job or whatever is making a change or whatever it is, yep. is that you just don't know. Right. Like you don't know what because that interview process is a lot of times not representative of the full experience. And I will tell you another thing is that that plays heavily into owning your own business as well. Like yep. so we we went through a really long period of time in the in the history of the business where we were taking on clients that we were genuinely unhappy working with. Right. But we were making a shitload of money. Okay. And, and it was like one of those things where like, I remember people leaving the agency and like me being like, I can't do this anymore, but like, Oh, well, we got to meet payroll and we got to do this. And, and what I'm, where I'm kind of bringing this together is, is the fact that like we finally got to a point where we're like, we need to figure out who the people are that we want to be working with on a daily basis. We want to figure out the people that are going to respect us, that we respect them. Like, they, people that want the project and not some like low level mid manager who's just trying to impress his boss and doesn't really want to be working on this project that, you know, like all these things start to factor in and you realize that like on either on both sides, it's so important to surround yourself with the people and the values and like all that stuff that, that really make, you know, you either coming to work or doing what you do enjoyable on a daily basis. Exactly, man. And, and, and if you're anybody in sales watching, you know, we've all had those cards. We've always, it's close to quota, it's Q3, it's oh. you know what I mean? You're right there at the finish line. I need 20,000 more to hit the number. <laughs> and then you've got this one person that's just like, you know it's not a good fit, but you still do it anyway. And it ends up being a problem. They're, the customer success is mad at you. Account management team is mad. Everybody's yeah. mad. So I'm also, would you actually bring me in my next question, man? What was your, can you tell us the story of your first client? What was that like? And what was that feeling like of winning that first deal? Oh, or your wow. biggest deal, if you want. Um. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, um, it's funny. I don't. I don't know if I could even name the first client. It was. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. It was probably some local business, like a spa or something. You know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we well, a website. Yeah, right. Um, uh, so yeah, I will absolutely tell you the story of our our, our probably our biggest win because um, so we were. This is probably two thousand seven, maybe eight, and I'll leave names out of this for now. But um, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. And the business was growing on the back of another large client we had, but the story for that one isn't as exciting because it was kind of a referral and we built it up and great, all natural stuff, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but what happened was is that we, we started deciding that we wanted to put ourselves out there more, right? And we started doing our, our, our own marketing campaigns, excuse me. And at that time, we were going after the educational sector, colleges, universities, because yeah. they were kind of falling in our lap and we were getting experience with them and everything else. 
And so, so what happened was we came up with this crazy campaign and basically what it was is that we, we positioned Second Melody as a university and we made a fake school newspaper and like, like we, we went way over the top and <clears throat> there was a postcard and you get the postcard and you know, it, whatever. The point was is that like we sent all this stuff out, right? We got nothing, absolutely nothing came in, right? Oh my goodness. Okay. And so, and right, and this is great for me to say uh, live when we're talking about, let us do this for you. Um, yeah. But nothing came in. And then all of a sudden we get this envelope in the mail from one of the largest um, private uh, institutions in the country, right? And I get this thing and I don't think anything of it, right? And I opened this thing up and it was an RFP for a new undergraduate admissions website, three to five year marketing plan, like all of this stuff, right? And I had to read it like five times because I'm thinking to myself, like, did they send this to the wrong address? Like, does this also have gone down the street? You know? And so anyway, long story short, we get this thing. We figure out it's real first and foremost. Yeah. And then we're like, we'll screw it. We're going after this. We're, you know, and I will tell you that there was, there was a certain aspect of us being that naive that we thought we could win that business at that time, only being in business for two and a half to three years, not having experience with an institution that size, because I don't think, had I been a little smarter, even if it was now, I would have been like, this is going to be a waste of our time. Yeah. They're going to probably play us. We're probably like the 10th bid they need. Yeah. Probably, you know, like all the same stuff you go through now when you're bidding out projects. But but yeah. we were dumb. We didn't know any better. And we're like, all right, screw it. All, all hands on deck. We're filling this thing out. And I kid you not, man, we got in that room. We got in that room and we pitched that business with the worst portfolio you've ever seen in your entire life. But like... Like, I don't want to say lying through our teeth, but like we were like, look at this. And me meanwhile, it was like somebody's cousin hired us. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, and sure enough, like we ended up winning the business mainly on the back of the fact that we were different than every other company that was coming in there. Because at the time, every other larger organization was coming in there in their suits, yeah. you know, and they had 17 people and half of them probably weren't going to work on the project. And yeah. they had, you know, they, they were working with other um educational institutions and they had the same plan that everybody else was doing, you know, and our whole campaign was like, like, remember those college brochures you used to get where it was like yeah. smiling multicultural kids, like yeah. on laptops underneath trees, you know, they're all best friends and there's a white guy and a black guy. And, you yeah. know, so and we came in basically pitching that we're like, do you want this? And I, I think at the time we brought in college like material from one of our interns that they were getting is that we were like, see all this, it's all the same. Do you want not want this anymore? And, and we landed the business. And I think, yeah. um, I maybe got gotten off track here, but like, but basically the, the thing I took away from that and still take away from it to this day is that, you know, there is something to be said for being different, you know, yes. experience, experience is not everything. And I don't mean that in like, you should just go pitch random business at any level. Right. But like experience isn't everything. And I think people get a, a really good feeling from you and they see you're approaching something differently. And it's, you really have to dig in to find out what the ask is. What is that person really asking, you know? And in that instance, that those people in that meeting were asking to be heard. Yeah. And they were asking for something different. And apparently we were able to give it to them. So, Amazing. yeah, that, I mean, that was it. Oh, man, that's a great story. And for, for those listening, like, for those who are not in the marketing space, I'm going to break it down to you guys, right? <laughs> the RFP is a request for proposal. And I'm going to tell you right now, I hate those shits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, anybody else listening to this second melody don't come at us with an rfp because we won't answer it at all anymore so imagine like for, for those who, who are familiar with it imagine all right 
So imagine you're Coca-Cola, right? Let's just say a brand. Imagine you're Coca-Cola. You're reaching out to Second Melody. You're reaching out to this brand, this brand, and this brand. And it's a five-page objectives, what they're looking to accomplish. It's all different principles of marketing. Some of the services may not even be a part of your, your service offering, yep. right? And then, and then it's just a bunch of jargon. And yep. then you don't really know. And you're investing all as a business owner, especially as a small business owner, you're investing all these resources to make the response. And then yep. the real question is how I'm going to execute. How are you going to execute? And then on top of that, we need to know your financials. Uh, we need your firstborn child. We need all this before you get. Oh, and by the way, we also want you to give us a concept, a design concept for what we're asking for, you know, and then we want you to come in and in, in some cases travel to come see us. And, you know, listen, I, I could we could do a whole like podcast series about RFP nightmare stories. Right. Oh, Not just with me, but other agency owners. And you, you know it. You're in sales. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Seriously. And, you know, the thing is, is that, like, I understand it and I understand institutions that, that feel like they need to do it. But, like, I will tell you that it, in my experience, being on the other side of it, sorry, being on the agency side of it and talking to, to people that have um, found the agency, most of the time those agencies don't even stick because, like you said, these, these giant companies have entire departments just filling out RFPs. Yeah. They have, they have people sitting at desks just answering RFPs. That's all they're doing. And they're getting their foot in the door. And, you know, like you said, it takes this would take three or four people on my team a week to complete. It's it's like $30,000 in billables just filling out the damn thing, you know? And, and just to hear two weeks later that, you know, um, some other company that went to golf with the guy who actually controls the thing actually yeah. got the deal or some backhand, you know, deal or whatever. You don't know. And that's the, that's the uncertainty of it. And that's where... I really don't see the return on investment. I maybe won one RFP in my entire yeah. career, and it, and it was and it wasn't worth it. Yep. It wasn't worth it. So for those listening, that is what agencies deal with, and it's really a pain, and it's really a lot to deal with. And to hear that you overcame that by being different is what I loved about that story. Like you could have came in suited and booted, and hey guys, this is what I want to do, and it just wouldn't have felt right, right? But it's that different differentiation that caused mm -hmm. it. Now I would love to say that too. Like that's what works online. Yeah. So many people are like, it's the same, the same thing you said with the brochure. It's exactly what works on LinkedIn, exactly what works on Instagram, any other channel. It's not because I'm saying something profound or anything like that. I just thought I'm looking at my feed and I don't see anybody with a hat. I don't see anybody that looks hip hop. Uh, if, I, if they're saying 2% of people are posting online, let's say 0.1% are from the Bronx and do what I do. So that means it's a wide open audience. And that was the same thing for you. So you came in there, you had your team, and then you're able to win that business, man. I love that story, man. And then how do you, so as a salesperson, how do you, like, I definitely understand the value of branding, but how do you actually compete with others when it comes to selling your services for branding, being that you can't measure or is it not like no true analytic attached to it? Yeah, uh, that's a really great question. And honestly, you know, it's funny. I saw you, I saw when you posted on LinkedIn about this, and I think you had a question in there about like overcoming your biggest obstacle or whatever. And like, I think I usually have like a, a boilerplate bullshit one for you about like, you know, when the economy crashed in 2009 or whatever. But like, but honestly, I think the, the, that is one of the biggest problems that is ongoing and, and honestly even changes and evolves as the agency grows because you are, you know, you're competing at different levels. And I think the answer to that is, um, we, it's, it's really been about, 
personality and making sure, again, going back to this idea of hearing the person you're talking to, you know, yeah. Yeah. both as a salesperson and, and then also after we get the project, like we, we have a, we have a thing at the agency, right? Where, where our goal is to have our clients say, you heard us. That that's the win for us. You know, okay. that's the win for us. You, you hear us, you see us, you know, like, I think, I think the first time we got like, it's always been a thing, but like the first time somebody actually say, said that and we grabbed onto it was probably about two or three years ago. Right. And I was like, I didn't really get the impact right away, you know? And then when you dig into that a little bit more, like to have somebody that's paying you a lot of money, like they don't have to say anything to you. Absolutely. Um, And so anyway, going back to that from a sales perspective, like I've never been good at getting my foot in the door, but once you put me in there, it's better because there's an authenticity. I feel like we emit because we sit at the table and we're like, listen, this is what we do. It may not be a good fit. Like, you know, and that was partially, I think, you know, um, you and I were talking about it uh, maybe before we jumped on or whatever, but like we learned the hard way. Like you talk about a hard lesson to learn the the minute you, you have those clients that you hate working with for an extended period of time, you know, you have those jobs that you should have never taken go against your gut and like you're paying for it. You know, that'll force you to, Make sure you're authentic at the table and be honest with the clients and make sure that those jobs are, you know, at just as much right for you as it is for them. Absolutely. And the best way to do that I found over the years and especially now is to turn that over to my team because they will not bullshit me. Like my team will will sit there and they'll be like, Mike, don't take this job. And every single time I've gone against them, we've failed miserably and they never let me hear the end of it, which they should. (laughs) Yeah, that's I love that. First of all, shout out to the team for being honest. Bring it on. We need the money. But they, they for them to tell you that says, says a lot about them. Right. Like so, man, so even when you have like a client like that, like that, it's hard to like I know you're saying like it's hard, but I know sometimes, you know, you're the business is in a different state and different positions. Right. Like so it may be a time you actually really need to take that. So how do you how do you balance that? And how do you just say, man, and when you do have a, a, a client that's kind of like a pain, what are some of the things you do to overcome that to still make it a successful or at least a amicable experience for them where they can still make a referral, where they still may come back in a year or two? Like, how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, this is this is one of those probably hard things you learn as an entrepreneur or you learn as a business owner um, or you learn as a business person in general. Like, I think you have to realize that there is always going to be a breaking point. Right. And you can't continually try to save something just by with a band-aid solution and i have gotten to the point where i've trained myself that taking on bad clients are a band-aid solution right so so in the end of the day you know listen i love that i I will fight for my and my team knows this i will fight for my team no matter what like i've gone to bat for my team with clients i you know i have yelled at people i've done whatever needed to happen because my team is the best team under the sun right in the end of the day though if the business is not working and i'm not saying it's them or anybody on the team if the business is not working and you're having financial problems, going out there and getting work that isn't a good fit for your agency is just going to make it worse. Absolutely. You know, there, there's no magic job out there that is going to be able to, to turn your business around. Like, you know, because even, even if that job is perfect for your agency and you make a ton of money, that, that problem is going to be there. But like when the job's done, you know? Yeah. 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 So, you know, so I, so I think to your point, yeah, absolutely. Do we still take jobs? Maybe that aren't a hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, sometimes the financial payoff, sometimes we're doing it because the, like you said, that there's an opportunity down the road that we can see, you yeah. know? So listen, I, I'm sure someone's going to like 
text me right now for my team and be like, you're full of it because remember that job last week, you know, whatever, but like, <laughs> you know, for the most part, for the most part, in the end of the day, it's not worth it. And, and when you're down, you have to do what you need to do. But like, I would urge anybody that is in that position to really look at the longer term impact of what you're doing and don't run from the hard decisions, make them because I will tell you from experience, they don't go away and you're going to have to make them hard. I love that. Don't run from the hard decisions, man. Yeah. And, and matter of fact, speaking of that, because you, you see it on LinkedIn all day right now, man. You know, I, I was recently laid off from Hootsuite. I see layoffs happening from Snapchat, from Google to uh, uh, Twilio yesterday. There was so many different companies, man. So have you had to make tough decisions like that? And how have you overcome that with your employees? And then the part two to that is what do you look for for employees for Second Melody? Uh, sure. Um yeah, absolutely. Um, there were there were absolutely times in the history of Second Melody. Um, I won't get into the full story, but um, you know, again, economy two thousand nine. Here's your, here's your boilerplate uh, story: is that you know we had we had to lay off half the company, or I had to lay off half the company. I, I, I get into this thing of saying we sometimes, but I had to lay off half the company because exactly what I said to you before, where I waited too long to to face the problem. Yeah. You know, we, we had a ridiculous amount of money in receivables. Our our bigger clients switched over to like net ninety for payables. Yeah. Um, you know, like all of this stuff happened. And and the thing is, is that I could sit to you and I, I think probably from 2009 to 2011, I blamed everybody else except for myself, you know, but like in the end of the day and the people that went through that with me. And I, I think for the most part, I've said it to them since then. But like that was on me because I should have seen that coming and I tried to save it too, too much, you know, and yeah. and that that I think was the problem. I will say to you now, and I'm not trying to call out anybody, I think what's going on in the tech sector is a little bit different than that. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> I think people are raising money on the back of ideas that and, and doing stuff with the companies that don't entirely make sense. That being said, though, I, hard decisions are hard decisions. And, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, man. And I, first of all, I, I'm empathetic with anybody who has to make that decision. man. And that's one of the reasons that's hard for me to kind of step off the porch, because to have somebody else's livelihood, somebody else's family, all that based off of decisions I'm making. Right. Like that's a whole lot of pressure for me. That, that, that'll, that'll keep me up at night. I'm already like I don't go to sleep to three o'clock in the morning on YouTube researching. Shit. Like my girl tells me I need to get to sleep. Like so I know I, would, I wouldn't do so. I emphasize with I mean, I, I'm empathetic to people who make that. But what's going on in the tech sector is very different. Mm -hmm. very very different for those who don't know right so obviously the economy you know we're going to recession inflation all the other things right the, the tax rate the tax hikes all that good stuff all of it plays together into the stock prices and raising capital right yeah. um and then the way the sales work in tech right now outbound is just not as efficient as it was five years ago right so five years ago you could have hired a team of 10 salespeople. you get me nine other headhunters you have them pound the pavement and then you're going to get net new logos based off of whatever right that's not the case no more like i've seen it personally where big brands and i'm not going to say the name you know you know what company i was just at teams teams that are just pounding the pavement and not able to get it out there and with our brand name, right? Mm -hmm. So this is why I'm so big on the, you know, the personal brand and creating opportunities, having that leverage, right? Creating that relationship and that network and why, why I can do it. So you don't have to deal with that type of BS. But a lot of companies tried to scale way too quickly and oh, yeah. didn't take it into account of anything else that could happen, right? Like, so, yes, the one line I hate from to hear from founders and stuff like that and CEOs is this is a, a $5 million, a $5 trillion market. And all that. Yeah. like, what does that mean? <laughs> I, I don't care how big you are as a company. There is no possible way that you didn't know 
year, maybe more than a year in advance that you can, you're going to lay off 20% of your workforce. You know what I mean? 20% of your workforce, 30% of your workforce in some cases, like that's because these guys are living hand to mouth on, on million dollar uh, raises, you know, like, well, anyway. No, no. Did you preach brother preach, man? That's, that's, it's just, it's, it's frustrating to me because you see so many good people chasing after this stuff, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. Like, yeah, whatever. Anyway. You, you asked me a follow-up question, which is which is much more exciting and much more positive about what I look for. Um, we uh, we are a, like an eighty percent, uh, you know, uh, hiring on personality alone. Like, you know, like it's it's one of those things that we we interview. We've interviewed enough people. We've been doing this for years. Where like we need to make sure that this is going to be a good fit. You know. Um, we're going to make sure, except for Fred, he was yeah, never a good fit for the agency. No, I saw him pop up there. Um, so we were, uh, we've never been an agency where we're like, okay, cool. What's your credentials? Where'd you go to school? How many years experience? You know, like, you know, yes, that stuff has a place. Absolutely. Absolutely. But for us, it was more about like, this can't upset the culture. We all have to be working in the same direction here. We need people that want to grow as much as we do personally. You yeah. know, um, a big thing for us as an agency is that, and, and I pride ourselves on this is that the majority of the company isn't in positions that they actually went to school for. Right. So yeah. like even myself included, myself included, you know, our director of accounts worked in the banking industry. You know, um, I, I went, I went to school for video production, you know, like, so the thing is, though, is that it's all a shared passion for the wanting to learn, wanting to grow, um, wanting to figure out things on your own, you know, to a point like, like the best employees and best team members I've ever had are the people that like not the working around the clock. You don't need to be working around the clock, yeah. but like you're up at night trying to figure out like how I can do something better or like how something works, you know, yeah. or I, I have like web designers that are like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to figure out um, video editing tomorrow because it's going to make our projects better, you know, and i just want to do that for myself. Like, so, so that's really it for me. Like I, I want the people that are going to be just as excited on a daily basis as I am. Number one. Number two, the honesty and authenticity thing for me is the absolute most important. You know, I like to think I'm as honest and open with my team. I invite them to be honest, open with me. You know, if I'm doing something that they don't agree with, I want them to tell me. And um, for me, I like people that aren't comfortable doing that. You know, I want people that can walk in a room and tell me what they need to do their job and more, more so what they need to grow as employees. You know, so that's cool. I hope I'm not misrepresenting. And again, I hope <laughs> I'm not going to get a text message here, but I mean, that's, that's always really been important to me. And I will say the second melody team is the best it's ever been in the history of the company right now. I can't, I can't even say enough. Um, you know, it's, um, it's ridiculous. I love it. I love it, man. And so, so once again, shout out to the team, shout out to Fred, shout out to Kelly too. Thank you for the comment, Kels. And um, so with, with that being said, man, so you're at a great space right now with second melody. What, Actually, my first question is going to be as part two. The yeah. first question is, what was your initial goal when you started the business? Like for me, for instance, like my dream right now, I need to create a multi-million dollar business. I need to create an M and say I went from zero to one million. That's my goal. And I don't want to stop until I see that. Yeah. Was it something similar for you? Like what was that? What was your initial goal? Was it like to build this, sell it off to a holding company, something like that? Like what was the goal? Yeah. Um, no, honestly, I, my uh, when I first started, my selfish goal was I want to see my work out in the world, you know? I, the thing is, is, uh, I, I came from, I was a designer, 
You know, I, I didn't have any business training whatsoever. I, you know, I, I was, I was a guy sitting there like designing everything I get my hands on. I was learning how to code websites on my own. I was doing whatever was necessary, you know? So like I, all I wanted to do was like, you, I want to drive to the city and on a billboard, I want to see something I worked on, you know, like <laughs> that, that was it. And, and the thing was, is that where I was, the company I was working for, family run company, um, they were awesome. I credit them with giving me the experience I had up to that point, but like, I wasn't going to get there doing that, you know? So, so honestly, before I started the business, my move was going to be going to a bigger agency. You know, I wanted to work in an Ogilvy. I wanted to work somewhere where I could be working on these teams that are working on, you know, the, the Nikes of the world that, you know, doing all this stuff. And just again, selfishly, because I just wanted to absorb it. I just wanted to like be out there, like telling the stories and doing whatever it was. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously that, that drives you so far. And then, and then um, I got to the point where, you know, and, and I like to think I'm in the stage now is that I still just on a daily basis want to come in every day or come in every day yeah. um, and enjoy what I do. And the way to do that is enjoy working with the people you're working with, you know. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the biggest like power I feel like I have right now is that, you know, if there's one thing I'm in control of the business, it's bringing on people. Right. And it's attracting talent and it's like doing stuff like this. So people learn about us, like all that stuff. And if I can make that environment for myself and my team and continue that, like I can honestly care less how big the business gets or how small the business gets or whatever, as long as that still gets captured, we enjoy doing what we're doing on a daily basis. We're making an impact. We're producing meaningful work. Yeah. Clients are happy. We're happy with the clients. That's I'm good. I'm good. Well, that matters, man. That, that's so real, man. And like, I actually have a branding question for you too, as you mentioned that, right? So would you prefer, because you mentioned the Ogilvy and the Nikes, right? Yeah. Do you think it's easier to work on a branding campaign with the Nikes of the world, or would you prefer a startup? And what are the challenges in both? Interesting. So there's a, there is a business, there's a business answer to this. And then there's, there's probably more like the, like the, the doer, like, or the person yeah. working on the project answer for this, right? So the business answer to this is that um, smaller companies, and I won't even say smaller companies, but like, yeah startups or, or anybody where, you know, they may not have as much money or they're closer to the money, you know, yeah. whereas that this project is like the end all be all. Like if a, if a company or startup is coming to us and they just raise money and they're hiring us to build their brand, right? Yeah. They're really making an investment here, you know, and, and that's, that's what we like people to know, right? Like, um, you know, branding is an investment. It's not like, Hey, I got some money laying around. Why don't we create a new logo? It's something you should set out and say, like, we need this. And this is how much money we're going to put towards this because this is our company, right? This is how exactly. we represent it. So I, I will say that that it's it's harder because you it means more. We accept that challenge and we love that challenge so much, but it's definitely harder. I would say for the larger organizations that we work with, I think that the the projects themselves maybe easier but there's more on the line for for you to get it right in a way because more eyes are going to be on it right that so so d different answers there but i think in the end of the day it's it's also making sure that like like i said earlier that you are you're honest and open with the organization about what you're offering them and what they're going to get out of it and how they can use it because the, the jobs get harder if the company if the company that's hiring you doesn't 100% understand what they're paying for um, you know, or the value they're getting out of that, regardless of the size of the company that's having you, and regardless of how much money they're paying you also. Yeah, and that's and that's the hard part about branding. 
So which, which I commend you, you know what I mean? So like I, I would, if I was you, like if I was in a branding, on the branding side, I would love to go after the startup. Yeah. I would love the startup, right? Because like you said, you're making the investment and then I want to go on that ride with you, right? Like I want to be able to, it's a jingle. It's not really a, a branding, but like the uh, the push your tea from McDonald's, the da 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 or whatever, like something like that. I'm actually interviewing, she's coming on here soon, um, uh, Mary Webb. She created Flow for Progressive. Oh, I love that. So like, what does that look like? You're right. Like, so when you create a flow for progressive mm -hmm. and it ends up being a multi-million dollar increased market share by X amount, what does that look like? And do you, does that person, should she get like residual revenue for that? Yeah, should she get like, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I'm in love with that aspect of it. Right. Yeah. Versus going to the Nike and it's like, you know, they're Nike, unless you're doing something really groundbreaking, that's con worthy. You know what I mean? It's like, it's hard. Yeah. Okay, so so here's the thing with that, right? And and I mean, this is no surprise because you can go on our website. We do work with Nike now, and the oh, thing sorry. with Nike is thank you. But the thing with Nike is that we're we're doing some amazing work and working with an amazing team over there, working on social impact uh, um, initiatives. Good category. Good category. Yeah. Okay, and and that's not just to say like you know, okay, that's all we can get, whatever. But but like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like. You know, when we're able to do something that is, um, you know, focused on diversity, it's it's focused on specific um, environments, you know, um, it's focused on specific age groups, you know, and getting them access to things they never got. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's what the thing is, is that like we're we're the same, we're the size that in the end of the day, maybe one day, right? And like again, I hear Fred in the background yelling at me for saying this, but like maybe maybe one day we're working on the flow of progressive, right? You know, but like in the end of the day, like our our niche is creating high impact stuff for categories like social impact or culture campaigns or, you know, and we do corporate rebrands, of course, and all that stuff. But like when it comes to big organizations, we know our role. Like we're, we're not going to strut into a huge organization and be like, you should really ditch your, uh, you know, multi-billion dollar agency and hire Second Melody. We got this, you know, yeah. um, hand over the sneakers to us. Um you know, so so I think like that's what I've learned is that like, you know, it's know your place and going back to the 2007, Mike, and winning that first job, right? It was like, I answered that RFP because I legit thought like, this is it, you know, like we're we're getting this, we're rebranding this college eventually, you know, yeah. and, and there's nothing wrong with those dreams, but like, you know, eventually you grow up, you get more realistic, there's still a place for it, but it just, it's right-sized and you're taking on work that's absolutely amazing with amazing brands and, you know, doing what you love, so. That's amazing, man. Yes. Yeah. So that, I'm definitely going to be looking out for you guys, man. And like, like you, you hit the nail on the head, though, right? With the bigger brands, right? You don't try to take the business. You try to integrate into the systems that they already have. Yeah. And show value with that. That's yeah. how you win. Like, and you, you hit the nail on the head with that. I think so many people get that wrong and try to get the whole pie. And, and not knowing there's nothing wrong with some crust. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with some crust. But like also like. You're you're not even delivering the pizza for most of these companies. You know what I mean? Like, like you you can't it, like you you don't know what that's like. Like until you work with these companies and see how they move, you know, it's it's not like you you I, I laughed, I'm laughing at 2007 Mike, 2005 Mike going like one day, you know, and it's not because it's it's not right to have dreams and everything like that. Absolutely, right? Like I'm, this is why I'm never going to be a LinkedIn influencer, man, because I can't, I can't do the whole like. <laughs> you're being honest, man. You're going to kill it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you be this. This is what everybody has to see, man. It's this right here, man. This is great.
But it's about being, but again, it's about being realistic. It's about, it's about saying like, we know how good we are. We know what we have to offer. So the person that is able to hear it is this person and not that person. And once that person hears it and sees how valuable we are, they're going to get us in the door and do what we need to do. And hopefully it it evolves. But even if it doesn't go that far, like, you know, I, I could retire today and be happy with the brands that we're working with. And more so though, the jobs that we're working with, you know, we're jobs that we're working on because Brands aren't everything, man. And I would say some of the most meaningful work are going to be companies you've never heard of. Some of them might not even be in business anymore. And, you know, it was the, it was the projects that just like hit every single, single checkbox. You know what I mean? Checked every yeah. single checkbox for us. And we were so proud of the work. And I mean, in the end of the day, that's that's all we have to go on. Because, uh, again, I, from a sales perspective, all I have is my portfolio. You know, that's all it. we have is the work we've done for other people. All we have is the recommendations from contacts, things like that. So yeah, got to bring the A game every single time. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely, man. And I'm also, because we, we got into a brand. I could talk branding and marketing with you all day. Man. I could geek over this shit with you, man. Like I love where, we're, where this conversation is going. Yeah. But I'm curious, man, because you keep, you keep bringing up 05, Mike, 07. Mike. Yeah, yeah. What, does, what does success look like in 2040 for Mike? Yeah. Uh, like, what does that really look like for you, your family? everything like that, man. Are you going to be down here in Miami with me or something like that? We're going to put some holes in the water. Like, what does that look like, bro? I'm jealous. I might leave right now and come meet you. Um, This is space. (laughs) (laughs) So I just walk off camera and then pop into your slide. Um, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, what does that look like? I don't know. I'm terrible with these answers. And, you know, it's funny. I um, So I've been working with a a business coach, um, uh, Dave Shanebeck, Amazing, amazing guy uh, for, I don't know, probably, uh, six, probably let's call it six years, seven years, right? And I I, uh, I was one of those people who poo-pooed that idea, you know? Like, I feel like being brought up half Irish Catholic, like, we don't talk about our problems, you know? Like, you you, you suck that shit up and you go to work, you know? Um, and so um, when I started working with him, uh, you know, it was one of those things that one of his first things was teaching me to be more selfish, you know? Um and not in a bad way, you know, but but as a business owner saying, hey, listen, put yourself first, figure out what you need, because there's going to come a time when that's the only thing you need, you know, and yes. and you need to you need to figure that out. So so while I'm getting much better, thanks to him at, at, at answering those questions, um, it still feels way too uh, too like guidance counselor for me, you know, um, yeah, yeah. but but um, it's your podcast. So you run the show. Um I think uh, I think for me it is, um, I don't know. I think I think it's like I said to you before. If we're, the agency continues to grow, uh, grow right now, we just brought on another team member. Um, they just accepted a couple of days ago. Really excited about that. Okay. Um, I think again, though, the agency could get a, the agency could triple in size as long as the culture and the the work stay the same from a quality standpoint. As long as everybody can tell me they're still enjoying what they do as long as there's room for growth with all the team members. And then from a personal standpoint, um, ultimate goal for me is more time with my family, um, more time with my kids, more time for myself, you know, like I, I absolutely love it every day. Like I've gotten to the point right now, if I'm working till 2 AM, it's because I want to be working till 2 AM, not because I have to. That's it. But the problem with that is, is that like I'm, I'm trying to break bad habits and I want to be in a place where, you know, hey, listen, I'll get a good night's sleep and, uh, yeah. you know, let's let's 
just take a day to do nothing. Maybe that like imagine that like you know oh, Wednesday when we do nothing. You know, so more, more of that for me personally. But like with the business, I just I hope I hope everybody who's here now is still with the organization. They've all taken it over. They're all running it. They're all doing what they want to do. They're working with bigger brands than we're working with now. Better projects than we're working with and. Yeah. They, they, they get pissed off because like old Mike is walking in the door and they're like, holy shit, here we go again. He's going <laughs> to give us some like bullshit thing and make us sit in a meeting, you know, like that's what I want. Like I legit want them to just humor me because I'm old Mike and they tell me to go away so I can go back to like doing whatever else. Oh man, I love that. I love that answer, man. Like I, I'll be honest with you, man. And I, I'll just give it to, just give it to the audience too, man. 2040 Jarrett for me, man, is just freedom, bro. I just want to do what I want when I want with the people I love and not have to worry about money. Yeah. That's all. Like you said, I want to work on these crazy campaigns. I want to do marketing. I want to, I want to give it back. I'm starting to do programs in schools in the Bronx, man, where I'm doing after school programs, teaching social media and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's the shit that I, that I love to do. I love to see that, man. So I want to be able to do that, man. And just, and just make an impact. That's it, man. That's what success looks like for me, man. I never dreamed of anything. I never thought I would have relationships, man. I just, I'll be honest. I just didn't want to make the damn cold call no more. I just, didn't, I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it, man. And it just had to be a smarter way to do it. And then it just trickled and, and kind of spiraled into something else, which I'm totally grateful for. But that's what success looks like at this point, man. It looks like doing what I want when I want, man. Having awesome ass conversations like this whenever we feel like, you know what I mean? And showing people the real us that we could have these real conversations and this can still drum up business. It can still have a positive impact on the sentiment of the brand. It could have a lot of different things, man. So that this is what I love, man. And this is why I'm glad I got to know you, brother. Um, I didn't even realize it was 45 minutes. I didn't even check the time, bro. So I'm sorry if I kept you over. No, 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 not at all. Sorry, man, if I kept you over, man. But this, I, I enjoyed this conversation, man. I would love to have you back on one day, man, because I could talk about the branding stuff with you all day. And just want to thank you, man. I'm a big fan of yours, brother. Fred, you should track suit like <laughs> soon. <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon to a podcast near you. Track suit like. And, and, and let me do a plug. This, this is plugged by Blue Moon. <laughs> I, need I need Pepsi and I need Blue Moon. Please send a bag, send a check, somebody. Please that's too often. But um, thank you guys for everybody listening, man. Mike, man, it's a pleasure, man. You're a real one. Um, like I said, you're, I'm glad to call you a friend. And I'm glad to have that opportunity to meet you, man. And for everybody listening, Fred, Kelly, everybody else that's listening on Facebook and YouTube, you guys really keep me going, man. I'm going to be honest. Today was one of those days where it was just like, man, everything went wrong. That could have went wrong today. My friend missed his flight. Stuff happened with the Airbnb. Uh, stuff happened with my old job. It's just, it was the worst day ever. Man, and this just brightened my whole day up, man. So, like, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate everybody. I'm, I'm so glad to have this platform to do that for me. Yeah, congrats on all your success, Jared. Um, keep keep moving, and, uh, you know, thanks so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Now, of course, man. It, it's an honor, brother. It's an honor. So, next week, oh, man, I don't even I don't even have my next week one up. I don't even want to say the wrong guest. <laughs> but uh, we also, you know, as usual, we have some great guests coming up, man. I, I know one for sure. We got Madison Butler coming up. We got Eric, Eric Tuda, who's actually the global social media manager at Meta. That's going to be a good one. Um, it's a lot, a lot of good ones. Mary Webb from Progressive. We actually have one of the co-chairmen of the Washington Nationals coming on, which is, I, I don't know how the hell I'm doing this. How, how, did, how did I sneak in here? <laughs> I said, how did I sneak in here? Man, because you're a real one, man. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> you're a real guy, man, and you're a great person. That's that's what the goal of the show, to be honest with you. I want it to be where... 
because I never was asked to be on the circuit. I was never asked to be on shows prior to LinkedIn. And I wanted to have something where I can bring Fred on. I could bring myself, my, one of my brothers on, and then talk to the CEO of whatever. Yeah. And be like, yeah, man, I'm on that. I did that. I can do that. And it helps us all, man. Because I always felt like it was just like elite class. To be on ad week, you have to be somebody. or You know what I mean? Dude, you're doing it all right, man. You know, you, I, I've said to you before, I reached out to you the other day, like, you know, I, need, I, I got a lot to learn from you, so. My man, we, we're going to learn from each other, brother, because once I jump off the porch, I'm going to need your help. <laughs> I, I got to start swimming soon, man. So, so man, thanks again, man. I know we're going to connect offline, and uh, everybody's listening. Thank you again for the love, the support. You guys are the greatest, man. We just hit 16,000 followers yesterday. Like, you guys are the best. Like, I appreciate you guys. And, you know, we're going to keep going. We keep going. We're going to keep going and give game. And hopefully we're at that mountaintop one day. So we appreciate you guys. We're going to reach out. And thank you for another great episode of More Than the Title. And we're going to see you guys next week.